Whilst it's still not the norm by any stretch of the imagination, there are some companies that have recognised that they can't just talk about their purpose, they must act upon their purpose. To do something significant and really make an impact. Well, last time round on Purpose and Vision, Liz Cameron-Smith from PwC's Impact Assembly suggested I should talk with Simon Goff, the Global Managing Director of Purpose, an organisation that moves people to remake the world. They state they build and support movements to advance the fight for an open, just and habitable world. They're an organisation that is all about action and impact, something that over time we inevitably will see more of. This is a fascinating conversation with Simon, whose energy and passion for the shift that is going on is obvious. I'm James Lush, and this is Purpose and Vision. You're listening to Purpose and Vision, the podcast that digs deep into why and how companies are making a greater impact in our world by focusing on profit and purpose. This is the podcast that tells the stories and inspires us all to think differently about business today. So Purpose is a social impact organization. Uh, We're a proud benefit corporation um, that works with foundations and businesses and nonprofits to bring participation and action into their missions. So um, we, we help build and support movements for an open, just and habitable world. And, and how much more interest is there in that over the, have you noticed over the last few years, how many more organizations are putting their hand up to say, we can't just talk about it, we actually have to do something about it? Like a lot. Um, and I think when, when we think about the different types of organizations we're working with, so that was one thing that when Purpose was founded 12 years ago, um, in 2009 in New York, um, the concept of purpose and corporate purpose and, and sort of social purpose was was new, right? And I think that we we have very much been, um, have ridden that wave over the past, what, near on 12 years. And um, we've seen and tracked how that has evolved across all organizations. Um, and so like many of the challenges that we are helping organizations work through, particularly in the private sector, is not necessarily in the, so, this whole corporate purpose thing, um, we need you to help us find one. Right. Actually, most of the, the, the time now, we're getting organizations saying, well, we kind of, we've got our corporate purpose, but we don't know what to do with it. We don't know kind of what it means. We don't know how to um, activate our our customers, our consumers, our employees, our stakeholders uh, around this. Like, what, is it, what does it mean? Um, and that's often where um, we see, you know, that, that sort of ties into kind of our philosophy around action and participation. And, yeah. and that's where we, you know, are, are, are bringing our support to those organizations. So they have to have an inkling of an idea. They have to have their purpose sort of worked out. Are you saying they come to you with it ready, ready made and polished and, and fit for purpose? Or do you have to define it and, and shape it and, and, and then point it? I mean, we've done, like, over the years, we have started at that beginning, right? So we've started from that perspective of, um, you know, this is something, you know, like, that we we know we need and can you help us build it? I just think that, like, 
where we are on the journey now, there's many firms who, who have been thinking about this, have been grappling with it, and they might have done some initial work. So it's really about like where we join on that journey and what specific challenges. And I think that what we find now yeah. in the maturity of the kind of purpose, small p purpose space, um, is that like organizations are, are grappling with what it means and how to activate around it. I think also that we um, are hyper aware around organizations who are meaningful around this, right? So it's not just what they say, right? How is it matched by their actions? Mm. What are they doing as an organization to be more sustainable, to, um, to you know, address some of the challenges with their own business models? Okay. And so, like, we, you know, it's absolutely something that we, you know, look for um, because, you know, we're, we're all hyper aware of greenwashing or woke washing or whatever we want to, yeah. you know, sort of purpose washing, you know, whatever we want to call it. It's, it, it, it's very much like, you know, this has to be because, because the private sector work we do is only a part of our portfolio. Um, it, it is super important when we vet clients, we look at what they're doing that, it's credible and it's authentic, yeah. and that they that that and that we can then help enhance what they're doing, um, and 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 sort of like bring sort of impact through that sort of action and participation of of their consumers or or their employees or their stakeholders yeah. in um, creating the change that they want to create. Simon, there will be people listening to this thinking, "Gosh, I work for a company, and we sort of talk about purpose, but we never really shout about it. We, it it's not loud and proud. It, it's not like plastered all over our." our everything that we do do you sense that there are more companies now that are actually digging deeper to 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 come to terms with defining what their purpose is why they're actually in business or was it those companies that had it from the very start i mean as we know if you you know if you are um starting a company now or have a company has started in the past five ten years that like it, it, I'd call them like a kind of purpose native or social impact native, right? You know, they they are thinking about their impact on the world yeah. and how their product or what it is, their service or whatever they're doing is having an impact on the world. So there's there's a category category of organisations where it's just embedded in in their DNA. Yeah. And then I think that we work with a lot of organisations uh, that that you know don't necessarily fit in that. Um, in that sort of space and their old organizations have been around a long time but they they know that becoming um, sustainable and um, not just doing that from the perspective of cleaning up their supply chain but actually how they can play an active role in in creating change is is super important I mean Unilever one of our you know long-term clients we work with a number of their brands you know, was you know was obviously at the sort of vanguard of that over the past five, six, seven plus years, right? In terms of their former CEO Paul Polman, who really is a leader, like sort of drove through a lot of change within that organisation, and and um, in, in in focusing on the sort of sustainable living plan um, that Unilever built, and 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 ensuring that all of their brands um, are. Um, bringing bringing that to light that they have a purpose and that they're uh, um, and that they're bringing that to light through 
through their work. So, um, yeah, it, it is a spectrum, right? We also do work um, with Uber, um, which right now has led into you know, thinking about how um, their drivers and, and their business can um, help uh, people get COVID vaccines, what are the what they can do to um, as an organization to sort of address um, that. Like so, so we do work with new organizations as well, um, uh, you know, who, who are sort of looking through different challenges, right? And um, but yeah, that's definitely, so. So using the um, yeah. um, using the Uber as an example, their purpose is what, and how did they then sort of tie it up to make it um, co- coincide and, and and link people with the COVID vaccine? Well, that's something that we, we've been working on with them. And, and I would sort of put them in that space of um, they are an organization that wants to be quite radical um, in the work that they're doing, right? And, um, and, and you know, we started working with them early on um, in the pandemic. So um, I think this, this speaks to a little bit of movement thinking as well. Um, is that like, Movements are movements are sort of based on moments. So what we do is not, not every brand is is building a movement to be clear, right? But there are things about movements, and there are some design principles that are so important, right? Um, and one of them um, is around the fact that movements are based on moments, right? And you have to act around movements. So um, any organization like living through the past year has had to be agile and react to the the situation, and that in their general business models and the way that they're operating. But in the case of Uber, it was also in the, you know, around, okay, well, what are we, what can we do realistically to, um, to have an impact um, on this issue? Um, and so that has led to us working with them strategically, which is obviously ongoing work. So it's difficult to sort of report back on this, but like it, it led us to thinking about um, how they, uh, through their business and through their network um, of, of drivers, how are they able to um, ensure that um, people can have greater access to um, vaccines and COVID vaccines? So, like, this looks different in different parts of the world. Yeah. But I think the sentiment there is one of, like, adapt how, how you are sort of agile and how you adapt in the moment and how... Um, that doesn't just extend to your core business model. That extends to the way in which you can show up um, in the world, right? And the way in which, in fact, you need to show up in the world. Um, and I think that many organizations, when we look at sort of Black Lives Matter and um, the racial justice um, around the world that sort of happened around George Floyd um, and his murder in the U.S. last year, and how a lot of organizations, a lot of businesses grappled with that. Because for those that had not taken a stance and um, had not really focused on their diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and had not sort of looked at the issue of race within their business, how could they credibly and authentically actually step into that moment and do something without it seeming performative and like inauthentic and i think that this is like the bar that we are now seeing it's it's not just about like this um cleaning up what we're doing and 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 saying that like okay well you know our supply chain is good you know we report on on you know sort of slavery and and Mm -hmm. as part of the modern slavery act 
have our sustainability um, strategy and we, we do that. Like in many respects, I think when we look over the next 10 years, like that's the baseline. Yes. It, will be, it will be the baseline of what is expected from society. It won't differentiate, right? And it isn't that next piece. So when we look through the lens of like the rise of the activist CEO and the need for companies to actually stand for something and actively, you know, go out and and begin to campaign on, um, you know, issues rather than take a more sort of passive um, focus on these issues, I think is so important, right? And that's something that. Um, we we're often you know now talking to our partners about right um because it's like that's where we see the vanguard will be right yep. and that's where you need to go yeah and also uh, people are going to be very aware of whether it is authentic whether you are totally behind this or whether it's a good totally. opportunity for you to have a little bit of press for the week or two <laughs> right they can sniff it people will see it a mile <laughs> totally. away right and and it's really and that's that's super dangerous you know super dangerous so then you end up in that situation that it becomes about risk and and, yeah. and then people step back into like well it's too risky for us to say something um, but then the dynamic last year was that, like, if you didn't say anything, then you were potentially complicit. Yeah. So you end up in this sort of like, yeah. you know, well, we can't say anything, but like, um, so therefore the bar, I just think, has been raised around the issues that are yeah. impacting communities and what we expect of um, businesses. Right? But isn't that interesting, Simon, because this has all happened relatively quickly. I think, and as you say, that bar keeps moving; it's not staying still. People are starting demand, starting to demand more from the companies. And as you say, if you don't do anything, if you don't say anything, are you complicit? Or if you're advertising in certain papers that are sort of p- promoting a certain agenda, are you complicit? Do you know what I mean? Well, I think it's really dangerous. I mean, I, I, that, it immediately reminds me I'm of, of, of an age, sadly, these days, that, you know, reminds me um, – to the days of the coalition of the willing, right, and um, the the sort of you know Afghanistan and Iraq wars of the two thousands, um, yeah. and uh, it was was a you know George W. Bush and like you're either with us or against us, yeah, right? Yeah, that yeah, that yeah. that sort of <laughs> which which I think that we, we hear that uh, we and both it feels like quaint, but you know at the time um, when we just lived through. Um, you know, four years of Donald Trump. I mean, it felt like George W. Bush almost seems pretty quaint, like um, compared to the environment that we're living through now. But, but like, I think that is, um, it's a challenging sentiment, right? This one of like you're either with us or against us. But yeah. I do, I do think that like it's um, the the expectations of um, society as it relates to institutions is that there is a degree of expectation around um, what um, businesses are doing, what our money is doing, our supers are doing, like, all, you know, all, like, our own sort of personal impacts or our purchasing decisions, like, these are, these are all um, really important. And I, and I agree, I think the, I think it has shifted significantly over the past few years, right? Mm. Um and um, which which is super exciting, right? I mean, I think that's great. I mean, it's it, it, it's a great. It means a greater degree of awareness. It means less apathy. It means that also people um, see and trust that institutions should be doing that. Yeah. Like and um, 
And I think that, you know, we're seeing that in the Edelman Trust Barometer, how, like, you know, businesses as as institutions that people trust is still um, is still there. It's strong, right? Um, as opposed to, you know, um, some areas of politics where that trust is... Um, not yeah, so. It's mm. is, is definitely not so. <laughs> Let's, I, I want to spend the, the, the rest of the podcast just very quickly talking about some sort of briefly just going through a couple of examples that you think spring to mind that demonstrate this best. Having set the scene now, you talked about Unilever. Now, obviously, Unilever has hundreds of brands. So, so the question is, you know, which ones step up and demonstrate Unilever's deep-seated, purpose-driven uh, sort of ethos? So the, the one that I thought we would talk about was, was the Vaseline one because this was a really good illustration of how you take um, something that they stand for and they're, they're really keen on and putting it with something that people will, will see the impact of. I'll start from the perspective of, like, where this was. This... this um, was firmly in the space of we have a corporate purpose, but we um, but we want to work out how to activate around it, and so therefore you know it became like okay, so well let's just dig into that. We we let's look into some insights around your audience, your customer base, um, you know, and, and, and sort of understand what that is, and then let's look at like what it is that that. Um, community is facing. And one of the things that we found um, through doing that research is that actually people of color in the US are really underserved by dermatologists. And you know, with a view that is it, it's nearly half of dermatologists in the US uh, don't feel equipped to be able to treat skin of color, mm-hmm. right? So they're not being, they're, you know, their courses, right, and their, and, you know, their education is heavily focused on treating white skin, right? And, like, a horrific stat there is that, you know, that is a contributory factor in the fact that black Americans are four times more likely than white patients to be diagnosed with melanoma after their cancer has spread, right? So the diagnosis is, is much lower. Now, we're not saying that, like, dermatologists and uh, you know that that's the sole cause of it there are going to be many reasons right that that contribute towards that but but it was something it was a little insight that led us to understand that okay so what what are the challenges there there's challenges with people of color in the u.s accessing dermatologists that have um the requisite training and the other challenge there is that like dermatologists need to be upskilled right so then we we started looking at like what are the ways in which Vaseline could show up in that space, right? Um, and um, we basically built a strategy that was executed that in, involved a few components, which was firstly let's get that curriculum built, right? So so essentially a curriculum specifically focused on um, skin of color that. Um, you you know could be that could be implemented in in sort of uh, dermatology schools and, and 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 sort of that could be trained right um, and then we built sort of mobilization around that right so um, you know ha- how can um, people actually ask for that right so like um, and, and and get people mobilized to basically uh, campaign for schools to adopt that curriculum 
And then the other thing we did was we found uh, a really amazing organization called WED um, that was essentially addressing this discrete like gap in the market. And we built a partnership between Vaseline and this platform um, that was all about you know, taking dermatologists that did have that experience and matching them with communities of color that needed that healthcare, right? So it was all about like building a, a better ecosystem that was able to sort of match these communities. So like in that work, it, you know, it, it really sort of focused on understanding who the consumers are, like what are the ways we could activate them uh, to call for change? How do we build the infrastructure, which is the curriculum that actually um, that was the change that was needed? Um, and then how do we partner to sort of bring together communities that needed healthcare with with um, those dermatologists that could provide that? Um, and, and in a nutshell, like that's a, a little story around um, how like a brand can show up um, to its consume to its consumers, mobilize and and do something with them um, that leads to uh, you know potentially real change. The impact that they've they've had has been well quite transformative, hasn't it? Yeah. So the 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 fact that like we're able to um, now like address that obviously long term incidences of of cancer and, and 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 sort of the reduction when you look at that overarching health impact, you know, it would be you know, very difficult to build sort of causality around that, right, and understand um, that, and that would be, that would require longitudinal studies, but certainly um, the the number of dermatologists now who have the ability to um, provide uh, treatment has increased, the access that communities have to that treatment has increased, and so obviously, yes, you can track those components from an impact perspective. Fantastic. Um, what about this wonderful Fred Hollows Pro- Foundation project as well? Because again, obviously, we're talking about eyesight and, and the like. But tell us about this one in India. This particular story um, is in India. Uh, so we built a global advocacy brand, See Now, which is a campaign we rolled out um, now over the past few years. Um, and um, this this campaign does different things in different markets based on the need, right? So um, in India. The, the real need there was addressing demand and uh, like just sort of basic awareness and shifting sort of negative perceptions um, around um, the loss of eyesight, right? So um, we needed to make sure that like, you know, the communities not only had access to to, to, to sort of eye health, but also that they had, you know, that, that they were services that they wanted to go and seek out. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, we also here brokered a partnership between the Fred Hollows Foundation and the world's leading optical manufacturer. So this also brings together the civil society space and nonprofits and the corporate space. Mm. So Essilor mm. is a giant uh, French company, it's a leading optical lens manufacturer. If you wear glasses, there's a high percentage that might be one of Essilor's brands um, that makes the lenses. Now, they have a, a really focused corporate purpose, which is ensuring people around the world have access to eyeglasses and eye tests and that ability to be able to see. Um, so not necessarily at the pointy edge of like surgery, but much more at that end of like, you know, 
people just need to be able to see clearly so that they can, um, you know, uh, do well in school so that they can you know, sort of be safe while they're driving their cars, etc. Right. Um, and they have a base of the pyramid strategy, um, which is all about how do we make sure that communities that have less access to healthcare get glasses. Um, and it was this sort of these sort of missions coming together, the mission of the Fred Hollows Foundation and the mission of like SLAW's corporate purpose that really came together and led to like an amazing partnership where we were able to build a um, awareness and behavior change campaign by bringing on board a leading Bollywood star, uh, a gentleman called Amita Bachchan, um, who is one of um, like India's most famous people, if not the most famous person in India, um, to come on board as an ambassador for the campaign, but for the issue. And we essentially ran um, a, a, like a campaign that focused on driving footfall in, in a number of different ways, right? Which was, was driving um, demand to what is called the iMitra network. And this is a network that is a part of the Essilor um, base of the pyramid strategy. So these are young entrepreneurs that Essilor trains to be vision technicians in communities that don't have access to um, like optometry and other forms of eye tests. But yet they like like they can't address the sort of uh, societal like barriers and the myths around eyesight. So essentially, these entrepreneurs are out there in the community, but like they're you know, they're they're not able to have like brand marketing campaigns. They can't go out like you know like spec savers and communicate at that level. And so what we did is is we were building a campaign that would help drive audiences to those um, entrepreneurs um, who were able to sort of do the screenings. But we were also driving towards eye camps that Fred Hollows were working where um, they, they sort of pitch up in areas where um, there is a lack of healthcare services and they do sort of mass eye screenings. And all of those things also we built a referral network that if you did have a serious problem you could then be sent to the local hospitals um, where you might need you know um, uh, um, ophthalmologist somebody who is going to you know a surgeon who might have to do a cataract surgery or you might um, have glaucoma that needs more serious sort of treatment to fix it and so that was like um, the focus of the work that we have done there um, and we're still doing it. So we're paused right now because obviously the COVID situation, um, but next year we will be starting that up again and sort of bringing more partners on board. So like bringing together a sort of bigger ecosystem uh, of organizations and other eye health charities and others who, who um, can partner in the campaign. If you were going to look ahead from, from now, Simon, Given that you, you've got these examples and, and, you know, you've got so many others, if we had longer, we could talk about those. But if you were looking ahead five years from now, do you think more more brands are going to recognize that this is something that they have to do because everyone else is doing it? And if they don't, they'll be left behind? I genuinely think so, yeah. I think it will just become something that... Um, like is a part of what business needs to do. I think that those organizations that um, don't have direct consumers, right, um, might find that their inf- their influence to do this through other means. Yeah. So you've only got to look at the power of, say, 
like a Woolies or you know um, a Coles to to say, okay, like well, we need to um, address something within our supply chain. Or you, you only have to look at the banks and and and, and their ability to say, well, actually, um, our impact doesn't stop our own business. Actually, we have a responsibility, you know, to work with our clients to help them go through that. So while I think that, that those organizations that have moved more quickly are probably those who are closer to people and consumers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the ongoing impact of how, um, you know, this is looked at, like, um, through supply chain lenses is going to mean that, like, you know, I think every company is going to have to think about like um, their impact on yeah. um, on the people on the planet. What um, about the companies and- that are more B two B facing, who can potentially you know get away with it for a bit longer? Yeah, I mean, I think a hundred percent. Like that, that's the sort of like downstream where, where there might not be that pressure there initially, right? Um, but I think that we're seeing the way the markets are shifting now that. Um, you know the premium around ESG investment, right? And and if you don't have like a strong um, score in your sort of sustainability metrics, then that's probably going to have an impact on your um, on your share price. I mean, that's going to move B to B. But like, obviously, that's the realm of of of, of you know publicly listed organizations. Yes, yes. But yeah, sort of B to B, privately held B to B organizations. You know. Um, you know that their reason to move is you know is also going to be driven by the market. So I think the most exciting thing we're seeing is how how the entire market is shifting in this direction, and um, and that's just going to become like like it's not the norm already. It's definitely going to become the norm. I think the question really becomes how creative organisations can be around not just doing the minimum, right? So to take it out of that risk space, how it's not just about like, um, well, we have to do this because there's a risk if we don't. How does it move into the space that, no, we do this because it, it, it matters, right? And because we can have an impact. Um, and that's why, like, you know, the, the sort of Essilor and, and, and Fred Hollow story is so, is so great because it's basically saying, well, this could have been like businesses and charity partnerships with businesses, I, you know, uh, I'm often so underwhelmed by it because it just sort of like fits into the bucket of like yeah. um, a donation mechanic, right? You know, it's just like, oh, we'll give you money and we'll, we'll slap your logo on our website. And it, it just, you know, it, it's, um, you know, sure, that's great. I mean, it's revenue for the charity and it helps them. But actually, there's so much more that could be done when you look strategically of how um, the missions of two organisations come together. And I think that that's that's the opportunity um, where where you know you you can get some really exciting partnerships. I I, I completely agree with you. I, I love this idea of we could do this, and then using the word and afterwards, and and the it's the and that takes you beyond the kind of mediocre uh, response to what you might normally do. The and sort of takes it into the realms of this is. A little bit more risk-taking, but it's bolder. It's more courageous, but it's going to make more impact. A hundred percent, right? Um, and it is. Look, risk profile is real, right? And I think that um, my um, not criticism. I think it's, uh, but but like I think that if we're still talking about ESG in ten years, something's gone wrong, right? It should be 
um, you know, it should get to the point where that's like, that would be like talking about your accounting, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, for me, it's, it's just like the, the, there's the whole sort of uh, the science of sustainability, right? And, and um, the, the tracking and, and in a way, in many respects, the box ticking of like, you know, that work. And, and yes, that needs to happen. It needs to get better. We need to get better at measuring it. Uh, but I don't think that that's the end, right? I think that that's very much the um, that that that's the kind of like yeah, in a way that will become the hygiene, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it will be um, and and look where, like, look at the departments where that sits. It often sits in sort of risk and compliance, right? <laughs> like that's where the, that's where those folks are sitting who are yeah. doing who are filling in those like ESG reports, right? I think that the the shift has got to be in in yeah the, that and space. Well, okay, so we're doing this stuff. That's great. That actually gives us a, some credibility and authenticity to say, well, what's next, and how can we show up in a more meaningful way to um, to create change? Let's just wrap today by getting your recommendation on where we should go next, Simon. Um, it was wonderful that. Uh, We've had this opportunity to talk. I, I love the fact that on Purpose and Vision podcast, we're talking to the the, the, the boss of purpose. I think that's cool. <laughs> uh, maybe you could point me in the direction of the the, the boss of vision now. Um, where, where where do you think where do you think we should go next? So I had the pleasure to meet this woman last year. Um, she's a phenomenal leader, and um, I am going to nominate. Shirley Chowdhury. So Shirley Chowdhury is like a, um, a kind of former commercial lawyer in the banking sector. She lived across sort of New York and Japan. Um, and then she made sort of like the shift into the social impact sector. And, um, and over the past few years was uh, the uh, inaugural CEO at the Go Foundation. Um, uh, so Adam Goods, um, the the sort of Goods and McLaughlin um, mm-hmm. Foundation that works on um, sort of indigenous scholarships. She's amazing, um, and uh, I think she'd um, have a lot of stories to talk about in the context of um, her career and what she's doing now. I'm sure she will. That sounds fantastic. What a great uh, nomination, and I appreciate that, the, the thinking that went into that. And where can pi- people find you, Simon? If, if hearing this, they think, "Gosh, this is terrific." I wonder, you know, if there is opportunity for for my organisation to show a bit of boldness and 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 come out with some of these great campaigns. Where will people find you? Yeah, they can find me on uh, yeah on on LinkedIn. They can find purpose at purpose um, and um, yeah, drop drop us a line. Um, yeah, you'll find me on um, you'll find me on LinkedIn. I'm on on Twitter, uh, albeit I don't tweet a lot. Um, uh, but voyeur, voyeur, yeah, If people are trying to find Simon, it is Simon Goff, but it's G O F, not G O U G H. Um, if you uh, that's right yeah okay good Simon it's been a pleasure it really has um, so many uh, good avenues we could have gone down if we'd got the three hour sort of podcast but I, I think this is a terrific demonstration of, of the work that is being done and can be done and how organisations are recognising that it, it, it needs to be done and um, I appreciate you know what you're doing and you know where this is going to go and maybe in a few years just hopefully that momentum will have built to the as you say to that point where it just is the norm. This is what everyone does. 
Yeah, let's hope so. And then let's hope there's lots of ands after that as well. <laughs> let's hope so. Simon, thank you. <laughs> great to meet you. Great to chat. And uh, we'll keep in touch. You've been listening to Purpose and Vision. For more details about this podcast, go to the website purposeandvisionpodcast.com or find us on Facebook at Purpose and Vision, on Instagram, purpose.vision, and on Twitter at PurposeVision1. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and perhaps you'd be kind enough to rate the show. This will help others find it. Just go to where you download your podcast and enter a review. Thank you so much.